Hey, welcome to Film vs. Movie, the podcast where we debate the cinema you hate. I'm your co-host, Belton Delane Facey. And my, na- and my name's Chris Scher. And on this podcast, we watch the films that have been slandered, desecrated, and forced to live with their creepy uncle by public opinion. And one of us tells you why it's actually pretty good. And the other one tells you why it's a steaming pile of shit. And today, we have a guest with us. So please give a warm welcome to our good friend and CG artist, Vera Perez. Hello. And Vera, would you like to tell people the movie we will be discussing today? We will be discussing 13 Ghosts uh, from 2001 uh, with uh, Matthew Lillard, a.k.a. Shaggy. Uh, Yes, uh, Matthew Lillard, who should have been the star of this movie. He was the star, in my (laughs) opinion. Uh, uh, Yeah, so basically the the films uh, about... uh, uh, a family, they are suddenly in a house and they are being hunted by ghosts. And now for the detailed uh, plot, the film opens uh, with a ghost hunter named uh, Cyrus with his psychic assistant, Arthur, and they capture a, a ghost in, was it like a tire yard? It's an auto body wreck. Or, uh, it's where they like break down cars, but not a chop shop. Uh, it's like a junkyard. Okay, junkyard. Yeah. yeah, they bring out this like big plexiglass cube, which like I feel like they just took borrowed from a fetish production shoot where they're just like, oh, yeah, you're in the glass. I don't know. But they got the big cube and then they summon the ghost with like a spell, which was just Latin words being played over a loudspeaker. <clears throat> that opening scene to me is always feels like uh, um, the opening of Jurassic Park, the original, where they're capturing the dino and someone gets caught in the cage with them and someone's just like, shoot her. I expect someone to be screaming something like that in that scene as well. Yeah, except, uh, uh, except w- when someone gets trapped in that, let's call it a cage uh, uh, with the ghost they capture, None of them uh, uh, even try to rescue him. They were just like, well, sucks for Marvin. Well, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. Literally, they, they summoned the ghost and it just ripped up half of their party. Yeah, that, that's true. Like uh, a lot of people there died, including Cyrus. Yeah, I like how also they like they rolled up to capture this ghost and they're like, we need a lure. Get the blood truck. And they just have this <laughs> massive blood truck. And it's like, where did they get all that blood from? <laughs> Uh, from the blood bank. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm just going to roll up to the blood bank with the truck and be like, fill me up. <laughs> oh, I always thought they just got the truck. Like it was a standard issue truck. And then the ghost was what made it bloody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then so after the opening scene, the capitalist ghost investor Cyrus gets killed. He's like, well, he's one of those old school, like 30s tycoons who's always talking about the greatness of man. Where he's just like, ah, man needs sacrifice to be great. And he had to capture Ghost to do that. So he dies. Next scene, they cut to the guy who plays Monk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arthur, who's played by Tony Shalhoub. It, um, he is recently willed, has two kids, Kathy and Bobby. And they have a babysitter, Maggie, who, let's get this out of the way. She is just a stereotypical sassy black woman. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think she got a script. They're just like, <laughs> respond to things. Yeah, because like not, not only was she a sassy uh, black woman, they also deliberately made her lazy at her job. 
Oh yeah, yeah. she's she. They walk into the house. She's like, I know I do not do windows. I'll let you know, <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Okay, but also I'd say that walking into that house. Yeah. Because it was all window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Arthur he's informed by Cyrus's uh, uh, lawyer that Cyrus is his uncle that very distant from barely. Uh, Barely saw them throughout the throughout their lives, but he inherits uh, Cyrus's for, uh, fortune. So they go to Cyrus's house because they live there now. And uh, I'd I'd like to just point out that the will was read on like a a video player for an old school video player that just like only existed to play that one video. Like there there is demonic symbols in the background of it. And it looks like someone programmed the screen just so he could read like some ominous speech about how he's giving him a new house. They also like did this thing where it's like the screen would pop up and then it comes back up. He's like, oh, one more thing. It's like, he forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, how are you? How are you this rich and can't afford a decent video editor? <laughs> They're just like, oh yeah, we're uh, we're going for one take, and he's like, how about three smaller takes? This is my <laughs> will and testament, you know. Let's add some drama to it. They even had, they even went so far to have little smoke coming off in, on his desk in front of him too. It was just like so extra. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, if you have that much uh, money, it's like at some point you you need fun things to spend it on. <laughs> A ghost house. Yeah, the, yeah, no, that, uh, that's the problem with billionaires in real life. They uh, they spend their money on the dumbest things. Like, uh, like at least just have a bit more pizzazz in your life. Yeah, that's true. But also think about the thrashing like Jeff Bezos would get on the internet if you found out he was building a ghost house. <laughs> They're like, oh, Jeff Bezos put in the GDP of a small country into, you know, phantoms and wraiths. I mean, I, he had one thing that really like differentiated was the one samurai statue. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that uh, I feel like the samurai statue is the most normal thing in that house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um, but yeah, so when the family gets to the house, um, I think I incorrectly ca uh, called the psychic assistant Arthur. His name is De uh, Dennis in the film. He's there disguised as like a maintenance guy, and so he goes into the uh, uh, the house. With, uh, uh, with them, and while he's there, he discovers that all the ghosts he and Cyrus ca uh, captured over the years are just trapped in the basement, and uh, and so he tries to warn uh, Arthur, but the lawyer Cyrus uh, hired while picking up this bag of money in the basement unknowingly triggers a mechanism that puts the entire house on lockdown, and he's die he dies when a glass door closes and splits him in half. Dude, this director loves splitting people. Oh, in half. that was a, that was the lawyer. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love how later, like, um, uh, Maggie comes around. And is like, did the lawyer split after being after he <laughs> splits in half? Oh, oh my god! I'm sure the screen, uh, the screenwriter when they came out with that lie was just like, yes, this is perfect. There were so many like little little quips here and there that were like, okay, okay, this is this is not supposed to be taken seriously like that. <laughs> Yeah. All right. And uh, and so soon after the family spl uh, splits up, they're attacked by uh, uh, by the various go uh, uh, ghosts that uh, that are trapped and now released. And 
during the first attack, they're saved by Kalina, who's, I guess the best way to describe her is an extreme spiritual rights activist. Uh, she's there to free, free all the ghosts. Yeah, uh, she's kind of like ghost Greenpeace. In the beginning of the mo mo movie, in that like junkyard scene, she goes, you can't do this. These are these are not animals. They're human beings. And it cuts to uh, 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 Shaggy and goes, dead human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so while she's there, she explains the house is actually a machine powered by the ghost and allows the user to see past, present, and future and can only be shut down by a sacrifice of love, which heavily impl implies Arthur sacrificing himself for his kids. Just to go back, you know what? Why was Matthew Lillard so surprised to find out the ghosts were in the house? Like, what did he think Cyrus was doing with the ghosts after they captured him? I think he just got a big enough paycheck to not ask questions. Yeah, that's he fair. was. He was also like, there's a scene where he touches Cyrus, and Cyrus like pushes him away. He's like, "Don't get too curious." Um, yeah. Also, I love how when he's like pretending to be like a power electric guy checking the house and everything, he's wearing like this the the getup, and on the back it just says like. Power and light, generic, but also at the same time, he's wearing a full like suit and everything underneath the. Yeah, underneath he's, it. he's wearing he's wearing like a flashy suit, like the shirt's bright red, red too. There was no need to wear uh, to wear all that. Yeah, no need at all. And he just like casually, all right, take it off, and it's like you were able to fit all that underneath there. Yeah, I'm just curious what his backup plan was. Like the the lawyer wakes up and he's like, "You're not the power and electric guy," and he's like, "I'm not." I'm actually the lawyer. He's an imposter. <laughs> no, it's it's almost like he it, he th he thought I have time. It's like okay, I'm gonna have to explain some crazy shit to some pe people. Let me dress nice so they take me seriously. <laughs> if you didn't know, for every episode of this podcast, I actually have a three piece suit under everything. <laughs> if I feel like I'm bombing one day, I'm just gonna tear it off, and you're gonna be like, "Damn, she's credible now." Uh, yeah, Chris actually has an endless supply of like ripoff pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so after they. Uh, uh, Right, they explain all that. They start searching for the kids. Uh, Dennis sacrifices himself for Arthur when they're confronted with one of the uh, ghosts. And then soon after, we learn Cyrus is alive. He orchestrated the whole thing. And Kalina is actually his partner and lover. Wh uh, uh, which, I don't know why that's a trope. Like... Uh, uh, like a lot of times when especially a woman is supposed to be on the hero side, but it turns out they're working for a villain. It's like, oh, they're, uh, they're working for the villain because they're uh, because they're fucking them. It's like, is that necessary? Can they not want to do bad things for the love of the game? Well, that's the thing that you Cyrus is the one who is doing bad things for the love of the game. I, th this is like a great case of a villain who's just evil. For the sake of being evil, there's no backstory, no tragedy. He just one day inherited a billion dollars and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to enslave a bunch of ghosts to make a demon computer. And then he's like, you know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to manipulate everybody and just be toxic as fuck, baby. <laughs> I also love how 
in like a lot of movies that are like this thing was made by something in the someone in the 15th century design whatever um they never like mention their full name they just drop down like a generic first name they're like that sounds somewhat medieval let's go with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel uh uh, yeah, I feel like because uh, back because uh, back then it's like you had small towns where I feel like everyone could go by uh, uh, by his fir uh, first names. Like you didn't uh, you didn't have fifteen hundred jo uh, Johns you uh, knew. It was uh, it was just like oh jo uh, John he lives on Millbury Street that uh, and everyone knows who that is. Mm -hmm. All right, so yeah, after uh, <laughs> after that, Cyrus kidnap uh, kidnaps the kids. Uh, ki uh, uh, let's Kalina die, which I'm not entirely sure why she was still, uh, she was still loyal. Did she like want anything else from him? She wanted to sleep, but like she loved him. And then he had to do like another evil guy, villain power move and just be like, greatness requires sacrifice. <laughs> I'm going to not save you. <laughs> I also love that. Like he, he died in the beginning, died and like, it's you saw like an obituary article with him. He's like, and he comes back later, and he's still wearing the same suit with the cut through his neck, all bloody and everything. I know they like they intended it to go like, oh, he's one of the ghosts, but still, it's been several days since you got that like <laughs> cut and everything. Do Didn't he, change. Do you think he like reapplied, or was it just sitting there the whole time? Oh, he like saved some of the blood for later, and like, let me like put it back on do you think like he had to hire a vfx artist for or a makeup vfx makeup artist for that or was he just like really good at that kind of stuff i would make like a if anything yeah they probably made like a 3d version of cyrus in 2001 <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i uh, i mean i'm also imagining he i feel like he did that so that if anyone in the house bought him they would just think he he's a ghost but um the Basically, the only way they can see the ghosts in this movie is if they wear these special goggles. So, uh, so like Arthur figures out he's not the ghost because he could just see him without the goggles. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I the the reviews pan this movie because for the glasses for one, and I think uh, uh, their intention of the glasses was to kind of like recreate the original yes oh yeah oh yeah no we we can talk uh, we're gonna talk about that oh, okay. in just a uh, Sorry. second like just uh, just end the uh, end of the plot kids are trapped in like this mechanism of just rotating uh, uh, rotating cir uh, circles the ghost of arthur's de uh, uh, dead wife guides him to get in there safely ha and the house co uh, collapses all the ghosts are uh, uh, are released Cyrus dies. Yeah, and now getting to the production history, as you were beginning to mention, this is uh, this is a remake of a 1960 film, uh, uh, also called Thirteen Ghosts. It was directed by William Castle, and I uh, and I have to say, William Castle, he sounds like a mix of Jackie Moon from Semi Pro and Doctor Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> <laughs> Because basically, he was known for all these B movies, but each one had some sort of theater gimmick, and he came up with like crazy 
names for uh, all of them. So just for some examples, for his film House on Haunted Hill, it, uh, it had Emergo, which was j uh, just a plastic skeleton that was rigged to fly over the theater during the climax. Wait, uh, so like, like a movie theater? Yeah, yeah. And so they had to set up practical effects at every single. Movie. Yeah, so uh, so like he did like low budget B movies, so it wasn't they weren't playing at every th theater, so he could like uh, so he could like set things up. Um, for his film, the t the Tingler, he it hey he advertised it was filmed in Percepto, which. Uh, which uh, if you've ever been to a 40 movie theater, it sounds like it was that, but built in a garage. <laughs> like he apparently it, it, it used like surplus military plane parts uh, to oh, create yeah. that. Yeah, um, and they would they 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 mentioned that like during during the movie at some point. Uh, uh, you're going to feel it, and you got to scream, and you got to scream, 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 and that's how they like kind of like raised up the horror. And that's <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my personal favorite gimmick he, he had uh, for his film Homicidal. Uh, at the midpoint, there was a fight break where there was like a forty five second countdown counter on uh, on the screen. During that time, you could leave the theater and get a full refund. But uh, <laughs> but what ended up ha happening is a lot of people would like watch the full m movie and then sit through the next sh showing and get their <laughs> refund. At, uh, 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 just during the mid break on that one. So, uh, so he wanted to turn this, so he started having different color tickets, but then he created something called the coward's corner. So if you, uh, so <laughs> if you walked out of the theater, you had to walk out this like brightly lit uh, yellow pathway down the aisle <laughs> with all the lights on, on you. Yeah. You, uh, you had to pass a sign that said cowards keep walking. And, uh, and apparently there, uh, there is an, uh, um, there is an, uh, uh, and audio uh, enticing the audience to j uh, uh, to just chant, calling uh, uh, like "Watch the coward walk," and uh, <laughs> and then to get a refund on your ticket, you pass a n a nurse that offered to take your blood pressure, and uh, and then you had to go to this yellow booth and sign a card saying, "I'm a bonafide coward." I want them to bring that back. Yeah. Like, yeah. like for, remember like the paranormal movies and stuff like that? They would always, for the trailers, they never showed you anything from the movies, just the crowds getting scared and stuff like that. Let's replace that with the Cowards Corner. Let's bring that back. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah. honestly, like, I, w I was here around today just props for showmanship. Like, yeah. I I want this man to run his own, uh, his own theater in New York, L.A., it's like, it's so interesting because so much of that 4D theater stuff, you're just like, this sucks. Like, honestly, it's not adding anything to the movie. It's always a little... Dis One time I went to the aquarium and they, they had a 4D Sharks movie. And so we sat in line for an hour and a half and they kept hyping up the 4D aspect of it. We got like, we we're like, oh shit, this is going to be great. They keep talking about how amazing it is. It's a 15 minute movie. The seats do nothing until one point where a shark jumps out of the water and they just had something that kind of like punched you in the shoulder. <laughs> so like, this is fun. They should have at least like, like splash y'all with water and shit. They, like, you got a spritz. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, no, because I, I remember like I took a trip to Universal Studios. There was a, 
Uh, they had like a Shrek 4D f- uh, film. At one point, he sneezes, and they had like water spritz on you for that. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, but anyway, uh, so Castle's gimmick for the 1960 13 Ghost, it was presented in Illusiono, uh, where, uh, uh, where like part of the plot for this one, uh, like the remake, is that the characters needed to wear special glasses to see the ghost. So it. Uh, uh, so he has set up where each audience member got a special pair of glasses, and in order, t- if you want to see the ghost on uh, on screen, you could put on the glasses, and then you see the ghost. Otherwise, you couldn't see them. Al- although reportedly, if you weren't wearing the glasses, they were like slightly visible on screen. Yeah. Also peak 90s and early 2000s fashion with like the glasses and the plastic clear safety vests that do not have any reflection whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, so yeah. uh, So, the film was directed... This film was directed by Steve Beck, uh, uh, whose only other feature film he directed was Ghost Ship, which... uh, uh, we do have an episode on making him the first director on this podcast to have two films we, uh, we've we discussed. Yeah, He's we, on a roll. We really didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we did Ghost Ship because I watched it. I'm like, this movie's crazy. And then we asked Vera to do it. And Vera threw out a few movies. And then we ended up with 13 Ghosts. And we were like, oh, shit. It's the same person recorded back to back. And honestly, 13 Ghosts, I've watched so many times growing up that it... It popped up and I was like, "Oh shit, that's a good one." Yeah, yeah, and so, uh, and so also just a fun uh, note: Matthew Lillard at the time he it, coming off the of screen, he passed on a bunch of horror films because he was like, "I don't want to do uh, do that again." But apparently, when he got the script to this, he he was like, "I can't say no." <laughs> So uh, I I know. Th- so like this film went through a bunch of rewrites. I want uh, I want to know what version did he say yes to? Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, does do you think the script read well? <laughs> I know, like originally it was more supposed to be like a straight horror, but then when it went through the rewrites, they brought they made it a lot more like campy and trying to bring it back to like the 1960s version of like. Woo! That type. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because that, that was kind of like a similar sto- uh, story to the development of Ghost Ship. Where, uh, oh. except, uh, except for that, uh, except for that one, it changed a lot because of 9 <laughs> eleven. Yeah, that I, was. <laughs> I'm imagining Steve Beck like after like all the rewrites for, uh, for this, he gets Ghost Ship. He's like, "All right, I can do what I want." And then 9/11 happens. He's like, "God damn it!" Wait, why did they change it to 9/11? Because they... like, did they like throw a boat into the ten no, towers it's, or something? It, it's because, <laughs> <laughs> no, basically they uh, originally it was like a bl- uh, a bloodless th- uh, uh, like suspense th- uh, thriller that exists. Uh, Examine like the complexities of man a bit more, but the, uh, but after 9-11, they were like, we want a straightforward, uh, uh, good guy, bad guy. Got it. All right. So the, wait, uh, and then the other aspect of that is he never made another film after Ghost Ship. He did this Ghost Ship and then just quit directing. <laughs> <laughs> so like he had to rewrite his film for 9-11. and then I guess he was like. I feel like if I do another film, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> he had to leave his ghost in the past. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So this film came out in October 
2001, uh, a budget of $42 million. It made $68.5 million at the box office. It currently stands at a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.6 on IMDb. <laughs> it should be higher. It should be higher. <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes in my book. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for our opening st- uh, statements. I will be attacking film. Chris will be defending. Yeah. Do you want me to start? Yeah. 13 Ghosts is a movie that was made in pursuit of entertainment rather than greatness. It embraces its own campiness and ridiculous plot lines and uh, succeeds in its original pursuit. They set out to make a fun movie with demonic ghost technology and a sarcastic (laughs) psychic, and that's exactly what they achieved. Oh yeah, the the uh, the ghost tech. Like in the beginning, <laughs> they had they went all out and had like a little bobblehead statue on it that was like Bone Daddy and like oh hell yeah, we're about this. <laughs> all right, my opening statements. I feel bad for Matthew Lillard. He has too much talent and charm to get dragged down by a mismanaged story. I almost called it a mess of a film, but that implies there was a lot in there that was jumbled, which isn't the case. It lacked tension, character depth and a cohesive direction. This isn't a mess. It's an abandoned construction site where they stopped building a good movie. <laughs> so before we jump into the discussion, Vera, do you have any initial things to say about the film? All the ghosts in this film are so well designed. They, and if you look in in the DVD like release, they had uh, in their special features, they had like gone a lot more in depth on each ghost. Each one of them deserves their own horror movie and would do really well, honestly. Yeah, I, I think because I mean, we also discussed this on, uh, on the Ghost Ship episode, but like Steve Beck does have a background in. in in VFX, so uh, that explains so much. Actually, yeah, the the VFX work were, was actually like really well done, especially for that time period. Uh, Basilius machine, like even though it's all just gears, it looks really good for that time period. Yeah, I was impressed with the house. I think I, I'm kind of of the opinion that this movie's not really a movie. It's just like one big practical effect that they tried to fit a storyline into. Yeah. Where that house is such a gorgeous fucking concept in a film that they're like, well, we there's got to be something happening inside the house. We've got this sick ass house. And they're like, well, how about it's a demon computer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, uh, that was one thing about uh, uh, about the house is that yes it has a very interesting look because it's just made of glass with latin written all, uh, all over it but like on first glance, special glass though ecto glass <laughs> <laughs> yeah but at, fir- at first glance it, it doesn't look like it functions as a house because uh, they're initially walking uh, around and uh, and through the characters we're supposed to believe this is uh, like an extraordinary mansion but that's uh, but then it's like none of the bedrooms look inviting. None of the bathrooms look like a place you could be comfortable enough in to take a shower. Like, uh, like I think it would uh, would been better if like they had that same design, but like a normal house on top, and then it gives them more to discover. My my biggest critique of the house: no rugs. Well, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. It doesn't really look like a house. In the sense that no one in their sane mind, not even like the gaudiest of rich people would ever live in a house like that. 
just because it, it looks miserable. You have no privacy. Everything's going to be like cold during the winter. I, I still think it looks cool as hell. And I don't know. They're checking it out. They hadn't quite moved in yet. That's the other aspect of the house. They're only there to be like, oh, yeah, it's the house. I also love that it's they mentioned like, oh, all the glasses like ecto glass and stuff like that. Who is manufacturing all this glass? And is Cyrus their only um, only buyer? <laughs> I, uh, I imagine at some point, like Cyrus put uh, put a pitch out to various companies like I need ecto glass to protect against it. It goes. <laughs> and then various companies were like, all right, we'll come up with something just setting in like uh, some pictures. Like, I don't know what this dude's talking about. They just <laughs> turn around and go like, just just sell them the bulletproof glass and just call it a day. <laughs> I'm just imagining like a, a engineer is going home and he is like marriage is in trouble. And she's like, why are you always at work? And he's like, oh, I'm the head engineer on the bid to build a bunch of ghost glass. And she's like, you haven't been home for more than four hours a day for the past like six months. And he's like, yeah, they're paying way too much money for this ghost glass. And we don't even know what that means. His response is like, I'm sorry, I've been ghosting you. Yeah, And then, uh, and then like, I, I mean, Oh, because this is a thing with a uh, ghost ship. It's like a, a lot, of, uh, a lot of shots just feel hastily cut together. Like it, uh, it like it had that like early two thousand uh, energy where uh, uh, where a whole lot of people are like, oh, quick cuts are a new thing we could use for everything. But it's like they don't use quick cuts as a way to say build tension or. Uh, uh, or elevate action scenes. They kind of used it just to elevate the ghosts, which was nice. And for a lot of horror horror films, they 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 always die as soon as you get a good look at the ghost. This one, they I liked where because they the ghosts you see a lot throughout the film, but they're always presented in this quick cut succession. And it for me, it doesn't like detract from the horror of the ghost because normally once you see it, then you're like, okay, now we can slap that ghost or something like that. I kind of, I don't think they're going to build tension with the quick cuts. I think the quick cuts were mostly used to build like chaos and pace. Because if you think about it, Everything's kind of normal. Then they get in the house and things start to go a little wrong. Then the machine starts working. They keep cutting between like the machine to the people, then the ghost to the machine to the people. And the cuts just keep getting quicker as the chaos builds. And then finally, once they're all entombed in there and the ghosts start getting let out one by one, you have this like, very interesting pace where it, they're not it's not just like linear where they're, you're like oh and then they go down to help the boy and then they like it's just like here's a ghost here's the house it's moving oh no someone's being attacked and it's kind of i don't know it kind of gets the vibe of what it would be like to be in that house and maybe, have everything go so wrong so quickly maybe the uh maybe the 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 cuts are actually the glasses glitching <laughs> yeah i could see that I mean, but they don't show the glasses glitching. I, yeah. I it's think er, it's two thousand one. You know, they no. were they didn't perfect their glass technology. Well, the ghosts rarely move in a straight line. Also, oh, yeah. Remember, they have the glasses on, but then the ghosts keep disappearing. So, like, it's not like the ghosts have to travel along in a straight line. It's like they kind of jump a little bit, where yeah. you'll be looking at them, and then they'll be right in front of your face in a second. 
See, uh, uh, see, oh yeah, well, even I, Matthew Lillard's character is like, I hate when they do that. They wait until you're like right up next to the glass, and then they just chaotic ghosts yeah. doing ghost stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can understand them going for that. I think w uh, with that technique, they still need to like have a bit more t uh, time to build suspense because they don't get because uh, like once characters are aware, like okay, a ghost is near them, they don't give them en uh, uh, enough time to like. Be it be scared that they don't know where uh, where the ghost is. It's like uh, it's like they're just going for jump uh, for jump scares without building up any tension to lead uh, to lead up to it. They they also like they bounce back and forth between these like quick succession jump cuts and then slow mo throughout the entire film unnecessarily. When do they use slow mo? It was every every like random shot. It'll be like just slow. The camera slows like uh, their movement slows down like all the time. It, I guess when like Matthew Lillard was dying, they kept slowing down right as he would get crunched by the ghost. Yeah. See, like if they had only used slow mode uh, there, that would have made sense given the co uh, the context of the scene. But they use it throughout like a, a lot of the confrontation. Uh, uh, with ghosts, where it just seems ra uh, random. It, it, it seems like one, uh, one of those uh, things where it's like, again, at, uh, at the time, because I, uh, I believe The Matrix came out before it, so people were like, oh my god, oh, yeah. oh my god, we can use slow, uh, slow motion, and they just went overboard with that. Yeah, because like in the first moment they used the slow motion was in the beginning when uh, uh, Lillard's character was talking to Cyrus, and Cyrus is like, where's the ghost? And he goes, Whoosh in full slow-mo and there was like no point of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that was like uh, going back to attention was like the openings uh with like the opening scene you know like with horror movies there uh, there's a bit of a rule where it's like show the monster at uh, as late as possible the opening scene they were very quick to show the ghost yeah which i i feel like that scene would have been a lot uh, scarier if the, if they just picked someone's perspective to watch it from and then they didn't get glasses until the end so the whole time we we don't know what's truly going on until at the very end and then we see the ghost we well, should get the little boy's perspective who's oddly oddly obsessed with death at like six years old and everything i think that's also who's the real monster of this movie like, obviously, the ghosts are monsters, and they're scary, and they murder people, and they're acting as antagonists. But who's the real big bad? And it's Cyrus, the guy who's controlling the ghosts. And it's not really revealed that he's that evil kind of mastermind until the end. So I see you could they waited for their monster reveal until the very end of the movie. It's just... The ghosts weren't the monsters. The human was the monster. So, also, what was Cyrus's goal? Like, it's always like this in 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 horror movies where like, oh, we're gonna in this one, he's trying to open like the eye of hell, and then what? What are you doing after? So, I think like it lets you see the past and the future. So you could like trade stocks on it. You could <laughs> like predict war. You could essentially, if you knew everything that was ever gonna happen, and you were competent. You could rule the world to an extent. I mean, if. But could, was Cyrus actually competent? I don't know. Because remember, he said he had no money. And then everyone else is like, oh, yeah, he's really good with his money. And so I can't tell if he's a fraud or not. Uh, honestly, he probably has money in like some uh, 
in like some overseas account. Like, I mean, uh, he got a he got a glass manufacturing company <laughs> to make a develop a whole new glass just for him. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, using technology, in Latin. using technology that only exists in like Ghostbusters and Danny Phantom. <laughs> Uh, uh, like honestly, uh, the, his motivation kind of falls uh, uh, under a category that's like deal with the devil, which like con uh, considering they just want him to be a bad uh, a bad guy, it's like I'm kind of fine with uh, with that explanation. Honestly, well, my my head for this movie is is just Jurassic Park with ghosts. We can call it ectoplasmic park, um, <laughs> and. It's like uh, what was the, what was the the guy from Jurassic Park, the older older guy? Um, he just wants to make this park, and then like, all right, yeah, you got it. But at the end of the movie, when the house explodes, all the ghosts like leave, and it just it feels like the end of Jurassic Park, where you just see all the pterodactyls just flying away and everything. Honestly, let's let's face it. If they ever discover a way for us to see ghosts, some billionaire will turn it into an attraction. Yeah. It's just like, hey, pay $70, see your grandma again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the whole, like, he's just an evil villain, that's that's because this is from the early 2000s. And I love it. Like, give we need more villains that are just villains for the sake of being villains. Yeah. We don't need tragedy. We don't, we don't just give me a billionaire who's like, ah, I got ghost technology. And they're like, why are you doing it? And he's like, cause I can, and I'm great. But I was also thinking there's like a few other things where, uh, the lawyer had to bring the laptop to them to make sure that they had a way to watch a video from the end. <laughs> <laughs> and he had it in like a suitcase and everything. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't, he, he wasn't like, oh, okay, you've got the video. Well, check your email, guys. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's like a, a, a law th a thing where it's just like he needs to make sure, uh, sure they watch it. Uh, we're just like it. It was two thousand one. I don't know how uh, uh, how much they dealt with technology at the time. <laughs> they dealt enough to get ghost technology. That's for sure. <laughs> I love how the background of the laptop was also like just straight pentagrams and shit like that. <laughs> it's like Cyrus really was going all out with this like ghost design. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's like he uh, he paid someone who just discovered iMovie to put it together. <laughs> Uh, uh, um, but I also f uh, feel like the backstory that uh, that uh, uh, that this guy's a, a widow is like his. Uh, it's like I feel like he he's just generically a will in the sense that it, we know nothing about his life with with his wife other than apparently they're a dual income ha house <laughs> and that's why he can't uh, uh, afford to move. No, his wife was his entire life because as soon as she died, like two months later, he had nothing. He lost everything in the span of like three months. He lost a full fucking house. I guess they couldn't sell it. Maybe maybe it runs in the family where they keep all the money in a suitcase and that burned in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. I think it's just like general shit they're like oh we need someone who's like kind of sad yeah and he cares about his kids and so they're like what if the wife died in a fire and her ghost got sucked up into an ion cube that was going to be used to power a demon computer but um yeah i'm i'm looking through the indb now 
his wife doesn't even have a name in the credits. Wait, what? I, I'm uh, I'm looking uh, now. It's uh, it's like uh, uh, it's like his wife does not. Uh, uh, I think uh, okay. I think her name is is Jean, but like every other main main character has a last name. They they have Arthur's last name, which theoretically is his wife's last name, not her, not hers. Like she also like every scene she was in, she just stands there. Or like yeah, even in the beginning scene where they're having that like flashback and everything she's just standing outside the window and she like maybe turns back to him but like it's voiced over dub so it's not even her talking even when she's appearing as a ghost she still is not talking and everything she just stands there and stares in like every scene she's in yeah again that that's something like we we kind of discuss with with ghost ship is like it's like when guys are are married um their their wife is just the idea of a woman. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like I, uh, I think uh, I think like pl uh, plot wise, uh, uh, like how he dealt with his wife's death should uh, should have correlated to how he's uh, how he's dealing with uh, with the ghost. Because, uh, uh, I mean, like, he's still mourning his wife, and then he sees her, and it feels like it's it's not touched on. It's like a moment that means nothing to, uh, to him. It's only relevant because she, uh, she gives him an assist later. Yeah. I forgot to... Uh, also, I love... In relation to the name of the movie, I love how they just put 13, but then replace the... T E with another thirteen, so it's like you're you're reading thirteen thirteen ghost. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, uh, I imagine that's because because uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident uh, seven came out earlier uh, earlier than this, but I feel uh -huh. like it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure seven didn't come out like right before this, but uh, but they did that. And yeah, seven came out in 1995, so not close enough where this idea was fresh. But it reminds me of all like 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 online gamer like names where they're like, oh, someone took this name. Let's replace the letters with numbers. Yeah, we're the edgier that way. Yeah, <laughs> except that the, uh, the thing is, uh, like replacing e with a three ma it makes sense. I'm pretty sure, uh, sure, like they were uh, they replaced. Uh, let me check. Yeah, yeah, they replace a T with a one, which slightly makes sense, but that's not how anyone's gonna read it. It's Thurleen. <laughs> it, 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 it's th uh, 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 as far as I'm concerned, the title is Thur One th uh, Three and Ghost. <laughs> All right, you want to get to three things? Yep. All right, so now it's time for our concessions. This is where I give three things I liked about the movie, and Chris gives three things she didn't like. Um, to uh, to start off. Matthew Lillard. He was by far the best thing about uh, about this movie. Continues to be an underrated actor. He's also the only character that got proper depth, depth, and an arc. I think if Matthew and a death. Actually, he's the he's the only one of the main ones that died. Oh yeah, true. I think if Matthew Perry had never gotten friends, Matthew Lillard would have become one of the biggest actors of this time. 
Mm, I think yeah. he, he's got that same like shtick and sarcasm yeah. and I've only seen him in Scooby-Doo in this movie so I could be wrong. In this movie like he it, he's not doing as much of a comedic like portrayal like Scooby-Doo so it shows that he has at least a little more range than what we normally see. Yeah, but it's a uh, uh, yeah, it was like he's not comedic, but he still uh, he still like g- uh, gives off like this uh, uh, this sense of charm with uh, yeah. uh, with his character, while also like portray- uh, portraying he is someone that is tortured by his ability. Yeah. Um, plot is secondary to the effects and scares. They this doesn't really have much of a plot. They just kind of like wrote enough of a plot where all of the effects and scares kind of work together. But if you remove the house from this film, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, uh, which like uh, is kind of disappointing. Cause, well, my next thing is the set design. Cause it is like a real, uh, a really like nice, uh, nice setting. And I, uh, uh, and I think like other di- uh, directors and writers w- uh, would have a real idea of uh, of how to use it in a story where you know it's it's not the main thing, but it's a character in the film. On top of that, like like as a for me with uh, as a character artist, I tend to really focus on like interesting character designs and all the ghosts were absolutely interesting even even the ones like the torso which is just the guy that's just wrapped up in plastic without a head <laughs> they even portrayed him it, that one like kind of nicely i liked it um the movie is very shallow there's no character growth or even a resolution they were stuck in the house it turns out it's a demon computer they escape from the house end of movie is kind of how the plot works. <laughs> and then it just ends with Maggie going, I'm done with this. I'm done with these ghosts. I'm going back to new work. I'm done. And then movie credits. Yeah, <laughs> which like that last shot, I, I kind of feel like they gave her no lines. And uh, and the only direction was, hey, you know that black woman thing you've been doing? Just <laughs> just do that for like 30 seconds. She literally had a section where, where everyone, the, like the tension's building. And then she comes in like, like scratching on like the the tape decks and stuff like that <laughs> and it's just like and it cuts to her and she's just like yeah <laughs> out of nowhere yeah all right uh my final thing is the uh, is the costume design i uh, it's like the prosthetics were, uh, were well done and it is nice that they uh, they design it around some sort of story which it uh, with each of the ghosts, where whereas like at some point they go through uh, through the different ties, but uh, and it's like I quickly forgot the names, but it's like looking at them, you uh, you know it's like oh this is what happened to uh, to them. Also with that scene when when they are lift, listing off the ghost, they keep cutting to her flipping the pages, and it's as if she's reading them in order, but no, she's flipping it left and then she's flipping it right, and there's not like any consistency. <laughs> she, she's going out of order entirely, but she's portraying it as if these are the ones in order. Yeah, it's like she already read the book and it's, uh, and it's just like they didn't order this right for a dramatic tension. And it's like <laughs> let me fix this. <laughs> Maybe it's just Basilius's like erratic writing. He 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 started at the end of the book, moved to the next book, blah blah, moved around. Uh, 
Nobody would ever think that was a house somebody lived in. Not even the richest person so removed from reality that they think a glass house is a smart buy would live here. It's just not a house. Like you would walk up to it and you'd be like, oh, so it's a trap. <laughs> You're like, oh, so it's a rich person built. This is what he thinks the house is. And this is where he's going to murder me. Right. And the lawyer's like, well, shit, I didn't expect you to just guess it directly. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I do like how they also killed off the lawyer like right away. Because uh, 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 he he immediately starts making like sexist comments to one of the ghosts. And the go that one same ghost immediately like just kills kills him. Yeah, it's also funny that the lawyer gets killed by the house because there's no way Cyrus planned that. No, not <laughs> at all. Well, like he, like he just happened to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like the house is, and it's like to to have like privacy or whatever. It has to go on full lockdown with the shields and stuff. Can you imagine like just ordering Domino's and it's like to get the delivery or. Or you just have to take your house off lockdown and, <laughs> and then just, like, hand the guy a tip like nothing happened. I also love how, like, at the end of the film when the entire house, like, explodes and all the glass explodes, even the metal shielding on the outside explodes like glass. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they had the same ecto-glass manufacturers make the metal, too. <laughs> it's like they just took the ecto-glass uh, and spray-painted it. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you want to get to closing yep. statement? Now it's time for closing statements. So, despite some interesting lore, 13 Ghosts never puts itself together to be interesting. I imagine this film was buried the next few years so Tony Shalhoub could win his Emmys. The film needs another remake, but by a filmmaker who knows exactly what to do with the story. I heard they are potentially making a remake oh. of the remake. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, I think I saw something that's like potentially a series. Ooh, fourteen ghosts. Yeah, which, which <laughs> that like may, be interesting. Yeah, which like maybe it goes into the backstory of each ghost, like you mentioned. Maybe we'll get Basilius's last name. <laughs> uh, Thirteen Ghosts is a highly entertaining movie. That's all it is—a zany horror movie where an everyday American family gets trapped in a house-sized demon computer that runs on ghost power. It's not The Godfather, but it's a fun movie. Sometimes a movie can just be fun. It doesn't need to be anything more than an entertaining 90 minutes. And that's what you get with this film. Uh, all right. Well, Vera, thank you for coming on. Do thank you, you for have having me. Any final thoughts on 13 Ghosts? Bring Matthew Lillard back. <laughs> uh, bef yeah. And it's also a, uh, it's a ghost version of Jurassic Park. That's it. <laughs> Uh, before we get going, I just want to wish my sister-in-law congratulations on giving birth to her child. Uh, I don't know what gender or its name as we're recording this, but by the end of the day, I will be an aunt. So, uh, 13 ghosts died, so that way you're... you're, <laughs> you're, you're what the fuck, Vera? She listens! <laughs> but no, uh, we're all thinking of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, oh, this has been Film versus Movie. Thank you for listening in, and we will see you next time. And thank you to Vera for coming. Thank you for having me. <laughs>